Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Connecting Badgers podcast. In this episode, we have some folks from prevention joining us to talk about suicide prevention. This episode will include discussion around suicide, mental health distress, and suicidal ideation. So we encourage that if at any point you would like to take a break, skip ahead, or opt out of this episode, please do what feels best for you. And as always, if you are in crisis or need some support, please call the Mental Health Crisis Line line at 608-265-5600, option nine. Thank you everyone for joining us today. My name is Kitanjali Deole. I use she, her pronouns. I am a mental health provider with the Students of Color Focus at Mental Health Services and one of the hosts of this podcast. And I'm Andy Schwabi, she, her pronouns, Extended Care Manager at Mental Health Services, one of the other co-hosts. And I'm Casey Tice, LBC, I use she and her pronouns. I am an access specialist uh, here through UHS. So welcome everyone. Today we have Val Donovan and we have KK Cothy here for uh, from prevention and meeting with us to talk more specifically about uh, suicide prevention. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so my name is Val Donovan. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm the assistant director for suicide prevention and mental health promotion. And we're really excited to, to be here and chat with you all today. Yeah, and my name is KK. Um, I'm a master's of public health student here at UW, as well as a suicide prevention project assistant. Um, and I also use she, her pronouns. Welcome to both of you and thank you so much for being with us for this episode. So for our first question, we have a very basic question. What is prevention and what does it mean to work in suicide prevention? Yeah, so this is a question that we we love to answer. Um, so uh, folks are probably pretty familiar with some of the mental health services and medical services that UHS offers. Uh, we also have a whole team of staff uh, that work in prevention. So in our team, we're working on campus-wide issues such as suicide prevention, mental health promotion, high-risk drinking prevention, uh, violence prevention, really trying to cultivate a safe, healthy, and inclusive campus where student well-being is supported. And so when we think about what prevention is and what we're, what we're doing, how we're doing that on campus, we, we really kind of go back to the science of that. So prevention science is the development of evidence-based strategies to reduce risk factors and enhance protective factors, really to improve the overall health and well-being of both individuals like students on our campus, uh, as well as kind of broader communities. So I think the probably the simplest way to think about prevention is that we are really, as a team, working upstream to make harm less likely to occur in the first place. So for suicide prevention, that means we are working on changing the conditions of the environment here on campus to, to make harm less likely to occur in the first place. So really thinking about how we can cultivate a community of care where everyone on our campus is looking out for one another um, and, and really understanding how we contribute to the broader, uh, broader campus um, culture. Great. Thank you for that overview. Um, we are, of course, a podcast based on campus. And like you're mentioning that prevention is focused on suicide prevention, alcohol use prevention, all of those things on campus. Why is it important for things like suicide prevention and mental health promotion? Why is it important for that to exist specifically on a college campus? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So it's very normal to struggle with mental health as you adjust to college life. Um, this is a huge transition time in anybody's life. So it could be things such as you're experiencing like your first time away from family and friends, you're really taking care of yourself for the first time, you're looking towards the future and trying to find a sense of purpose, or you maybe feel pressured to engage in certain activities that you wouldn't have experienced in the past. And so there's just a lot of change happening in anybody's life as they come to college um, or as they're just continuing with that journey. So I think it's just really important to let people know that they're not alone in that and that I personally have been there. I came here um, as an undergrad and now I'm here as a grad student. And I feel like the fall specifically is always a time that can bring up a lot for people. Um, like I said, it's a lot of change. You're balancing a lot of things, whether it be like a class schedule and friends and social engagements and relationships and everything that comes with being a student. Um, so it's just important to let students know that they're not alone and there are many resources on campus that can help make these stressors more manageable um, so that people can overall spend more time focusing on the good and the growth and the learning that comes with being on, being on a campus. Great. Thank you for sharing that. So as you mentioned, of course, students go through a lot. How can we spot when someone might need some extra help? So what are some of those warning signs for someone who might be experiencing suicidal ideation? Yeah, that's a great question and uh, and really an important feature of the work that we do in, in prevention is providing education for our campus community about how we can recognize uh, potential warning signs for suicide risk, how folks might respond um, when you are observing those things, check in with a friend, and then how you might refer them to helpful resources. So uh, to start kind of from the beginning, um, focusing on warning signs that you might notice. So Warning signs are really just indicators that somebody might be at more immediate risk for suicide and could benefit from some additional support. So um, there, there's a number of warning signs that are often more associated with suicide risk, but really generally speaking, it is most helpful to pay attention to changes in behavior. And you are gonna be best positioned to observe these um, with folks that you already have the benefit of knowing, right? So your friends, your roommates, your coworkers, maybe classmates that you see regularly. Um, and so I guess I'll, I'll share a little bit about some specific warning signs, but also wanna just uh, start with uh, reminding folks to, to just trust yourself when you're recognizing that someone is displaying some uh, indicators that they might be struggling with a situation that is beyond what they can manage themselves. Um, so some specific warning signs that I think are just helpful to note. So things like changes in mood, so new unexpected anger, persistent sadness, um, maybe changes in sleep. So commenting on having a lot of trouble sleeping or seeing really um, overwhelmingly and newly fatigued. I think out of character behavior is something that, especially for peers, you're well positioned to, to notice. So um, maybe a friend that is uh, typically a really great student is having trouble following through on assignments, and that previously wasn't an issue. That could potentially be a, a warning sign that something, something greater is going on. Um, other warning signs for, for suicide risk specifically um, include isolating, so not showing up for obligations. Maybe that's missing class. Maybe that's not responding to invitations that you're sending or messages that you're sending to check in. Uh, things like lowered self-worth, so talking about being a burden. Um, and then I think, of course, you know, any references to suicide specifically. So that can happen directly. Um, a statement such as I'm thinking about suicide, 
that can be maybe also done more indirectly. So things like people would be better off without me, or maybe making a joke about suicide as a way to sort of test other people's reactions to, to you saying that. So all of those things um, are, are warning signs, I guess, that I would uh, encourage peers to look out for um, in, in their relationships. And I also want to emphasize that there's not one single warning sign or risk factor that always precedes a suicide attempt. So again, I just want to go back to noticing things that are out of character or big changes in, in your friends um, and trusting your gut. If it seems like someone is struggling um, and could benefit from some support, um, like they don't have the, the coping skills and resources to currently manage what, what they're going through, they can certainly benefit from some additional care and from you checking in um, in a really non-judgmental way. Um, and again, you know, peers, I think, are really well positioned to observe these things. So uh, you know, there's a ton of great resources on our campus in terms of mental health services and other support services, but often um, friends are going to be the first to kind of notice when when maybe a, a student could benefit from that additional support. I agree. I think um, with peers and students being with around each other all the time, they have the most first-hand information. Um, something that I've had other students and other people say to me is that, well, people don't usually talk about suicide or the term suicide, so how do I even check in about these things when I see these warning signs or notice them in a friend? So, How do you start a conversation with a friend to check in? Yeah, that's a great question. It can be very scary to take that upon yourself and start a conversation with a friend, um, but it's also very powerful. So there are some steps that you can follow. It's It would be preparing for a check-in. So that can mean like preparing yourself mentally and preparing the space. Do you want to be in a quiet room alone? Do you want to do this over text? I would probably recommend doing it in person, but just like preparing for whatever environment makes you the most comfortable as well as the person that you're talking to the most comfortable um, name the warning signs that you've, you've observed. It makes it much more manageable to have the conversation. If you're like, Hey, I've noticed these specific things and that's why I'm starting this conversation with you. So it gives context to why you're bringing this up with a friend. Um, ask if it's okay to check in further. You never want to force someone into a conversation that they're not ready for. So you can really ask their permission to continue the conversation and then if they do continue it, you want to use active listening skills. Um, so just making sure that you're present, engaged, you're empathetic, you're using your body language to show that you are like open with this person. Um, and there are a lot more tips around how to properly active, active how to properly actively listen um, in the student suicide prevention training that can be done on Canvas. Um, so yeah, and then also asking directly about suicide. So if you notice these things, you can ask specifically um, if the individual has had thoughts of suicide um, and just like really checking in to see how they're doing. Overall, when you are checking with a friend, the main things to remember are be supportive and not judgmental. Take what this person is saying seriously. Encourage them to seek help. Do not promise to keep it a secret and then help them reach out for support. Thank you very much for those ideas. Um, I think even like you mentioned, it can be kind of scary to start that conversation. And something that we hear from students a lot, I'm sure you all have too, is um, that 
It's nerve wracking. They don't know exactly what to say. Even getting general guidelines is helpful. I'm wondering if you have any examples of something they could say in that moment. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's very important to note that you do not have to have all the answers. And this is a learning experience. So you don't need to approach this conversation knowing exactly what to say. So even saying something like, I don't know exactly what to say, but I care about you and I'm happy you shared this with me can open um, the door to further conversations. Uh, It's really just important to be present and engaging and create space for someone to feel comfortable sharing. Um, I know personally, I don't like to sit in silence. And so I'll try to like continue to talk with someone as they bring something heavy up, but allowing space to just like sit in that silence and let that person feel comfortable before opening up can be like that in itself can be incredibly powerful. Um, But like a specific phrasing that you could kind of like workshop to fit your specific situation. Um, is something such as, I've noticed you haven't been responding to my text lately and you seem kind of down. I want to know what I can do to support you. Can I ask, can I ask how you are? So you've named those warning signs. Um, you're letting them know that you are there for them and you want to support them. And then again, asking that permission of, can I ask how you are? So you're not forcing the conversation on someone. Um, or specifically, like if if someone has made a reference to suicide, you could say, um, like, You said you're not sure if you want to be here anymore. It sounds like being on campus right now is difficult. I'm curious if you're only talking about not being here at school or if if you have also been having suicidal thoughts. So reflecting back the emotion that they shared with you of like being on campus is difficult for you right now. It shows that you were listening and you were engaged. And then also not letting something slip through the cracks. Like if someone says they don't want to be here, that's a very serious statement and you want to take that into consideration. And so reflecting their own words back at them just to ask for further clarification can also be very important. And specifically mentioning, like I've been wondering if you've had suicidal thoughts, it lets the person know that you're comfortable having a conversation surrounding suicide. And that is very, very important to let them know that you can be that safe space for them. Mm-hmm. And I think too, you know, a lot of times uh I feel like I hear from students and from faculty and staff on this campus that they want to be able to like share resource information with folks. Um, And while it is really important to make referrals to resources and really helpful to share information about the kinds of resources that are available, uh, we also know that uh, what makes students and what, what like lets folks feel like those are accessible, safe resources to them um, usually involves first feeling heard and uh, kind of affirmed in their experience. And so that's actually really the, I think the most important step in this process is, is offering that, that non-judgmental affirmation for what, what somebody is, is experiencing and really just holding some space for, for that discomfort. Um, so I know, I know I like to jump to, to problem solving for folks sometimes and, um, I think it's really important to just keep in mind that prerequisites for getting help are are usually feeling heard and feeling affirmed in, in what you're feeling. For me, that comes back to what we've already talked about of students being around each other the most and, and having the opportunity to recognize warning signs. Um, similarly, we know that students are more likely to get help or to even go to a club or go to anything if their friends are endorsing it too. Um, And if they know people who have experiences or people who, like you're talking about, are willing to engage in that conversation with them. Um, Yeah, absolutely. 
What I love too, specifically in those last examples that you gave of like mentioning and speaking the word suicide and, and saying it out loud and having comfort, you know, using the words that um, someone else spoke or just truly putting it out there. But I know sometimes we hear from students like that they have concern about like saying it or like speaking it into existence. So is there any concern about mentioning suicide outright? Yes, it's a common misconception that speaking about suicide could put the idea in someone's head. However, findings suggest that acknowledging and talking about suicide can actually reduce rather than increase suicidal ideation. Um, and it can really help people seek treatment if it's already there in the population of someone who would be considering seeking treatment. So it sounds like the word suicide itself is it's okay to say. Um, and I do know that there there has been some uh, consensus about like the kind of language that you should use when checking in. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts about or tips about um, speaking with someone about suicide and if there have been language changes that we need to be uh, mindful of. Yeah, so I think right now a lot of us talk about suicide in a way that actually isn't as helpful as some of like some switched language could be. So, for example, a lot of people will say someone has committed suicide. And this isn't that helpful of language because it really puts it, it's like it was a selfish act. This person did it. It was a choice rather than saying that someone died by suicide. It really makes it a neutral phrasing and it takes any shame and blame out of the act. Um, there are also instances of uh, like someone could say it was a successful or an unsuccessful suicide. And that really frames it in like a positive or negative light. We want to say it was a fatal or non-fatal suicide. Um, again, just using neutral phrasing. We really don't want to put any connotation onto these words um, and just really being aware of what we're speaking to help with the stigma that surrounds suicide and just speaking about mental health in general. Um, there are a lot of examples of this, such as calling someone a suicide attempter rather than saying that someone has attempted suicide. We don't want to make that an identity trait about this person um, and really have that be an identifier for them. Again, it's all about making words as neutral as you can. Um, just be aware of what you're saying. And also, it's very common to slip up with this. I mean, I, for my whole life, have heard that someone has committed suicide. And so if you occasionally say that, don't be too hard on yourself. If you catch it, correct it verbally. So you can correct yourself in that moment saying, sorry, I misspoke. I meant that um, someone died by suicide rather than committed suicide. And so just the more that we're willing to have conversations around it, correct ourselves and learn and correct those around us in a caring way, um, it really just helps us all learn and move in the right direction with this. Mm -hmm. And that really, I think the language that we use really kind of comes back to, to sort of the, what I was talking about earlier around the, the purpose and approach of prevention, right? So the, these individual choices that, that we make about language and commitments that we make to, to using less stigmatizing language helps create um, some, some norms on campus um, around the way that we talk about suicide, the way that we talk about mental health, um, and just creates an environment that is more generally supportive uh, for students who might be struggling or, or who could benefit from seeking help. Um, so just trying to do what we can to reduce some of the, the barriers uh, kind of that that might be perceived by students uh, on campus um, is, is really an important step that, that we can all take and commit to. Some Overall themes that I'm hearing in everything that you all have been sharing are the reducing the bias, reducing those barriers, like you were just saying, and overall reducing the shame associated with it. 
Um, something that I have said to students who are nervous about asking friends or like house fellows who are nervous about asking their residents or something like that, um, is that for that person, it, it might be new to you to talk about suicide. It's not new to them to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, these approaches, um, perfectly understandable why people would feel uncomfortable, but really appreciate all those examples and, um, ideas for the language that you've given people to, to reduce those barriers and make it an easier thing to talk about. Um, we've spent a lot of time talking about how do we talk about it? Um, outside of just these conversations, what other resources are you all aware of regarding suicide prevention or support around suicide? Yeah, there are a number of resources that are available to students as well as uh, to kind of general community members um, to, to help address suicide. Um, so some of these resources offer support for individuals who are struggling, but also many of them offer consultation for those who are concerned about a friend. Um, so I will I will let you all talk a little bit more about mental health services specifically, um, but a couple of national um, lifelines and, and helplines to be aware of. So the first is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Um, the phone number is 988, um, and that's also a number that can be texted. And they also have a chat feature on their website. So this is a 24-7 um, confidential resource offering support for those who are um, experiencing a mental health crisis, who are experiencing thoughts of suicide, but also for um for someone who maybe wants to support another person. Um, so this is a resource you can call and consult with, share a little bit about the situation that you're in and um, get some advice, um, maybe practice a few things that you might say to check in and offer support to your friend. Um, similarly, there is a national crisis text line that offers that same kind of both individual support and consultation um, all over text. So that phone number is 741741. And you can just text start or home uh, to get started with a conversation with with that resource. Um, In addition to mental health services, a couple other campus resources that I think are are helpful to be aware of are one, the the Dean of Students office on campus. So this really um, offers sort of a central hub for assistance resources. Um, they have a form on their website where you can request assistance and somebody will reach out to you to get an appointment scheduled, to get a phone call scheduled. Um, and they are not a clinical support service, um, but can really help connect students to any number of on or off campus resources that they might need, um, including things like academic accommodations or support if, if a mental health concern is really starting to impact, um, a student's academic performance or success. Um, Additionally, the McBurney Disability Resource Center on campus offers um, academic accommodations and other accommodations so that all students can engage fully uh, in campus life, uh, whether that's academics or or other social um, opportunities on campus. So that's another great resource to, to be connected to. And then, of course, we we always talk about mental health services um, when we're talking about resources. So uh, the 24-7 crisis line that, that you all have for students on campus um, and really, uh, I think, the consultative support that you offer for third parties who might be concerned about a student is something that I hear time and time again on campus as a really valuable 
resource. And so I would just encourage, I guess, students and, and others who might be concerned about a student uh, to use those resources to consult early and often. Um, if it doesn't need to be a certain level of crisis uh, before those are appropriate resources to, to utilize. I really appreciate that mention, both of the third party op op option. Um, and that means somebody who is not themselves a student. If you are worried about a student, you can give our crisis line a call and get some advice about how to handle that situation. Um, it sometimes also can lead to mental health services connecting with that person. Um, I also appreciate the mention that you don't have to be in what we might typically think about as a crisis to call the crisis line. There is, like you said, there's no wrong time to, to call them. Um, in addition to the crisis line, which I would say is a, a great resource 24-7 for like that, if we might be escalating, if we're feeling overwhelmed by anything, or if we're in that crisis we typically think about where we're having thoughts of suicide or self-harm, harm of hurting another person, risk of harming another person. Um, we also have access appointments. If we're not to the point where it is an emergency or we need extremely urgent services where a crisis line might be supportive, an access appointment can be made online or by calling our front desk. And that is our initial intake process. So you'll talk to a provider, maybe Casey, who is one of our co-hosts here, um, but one of our access providers who will ask you a few questions about what's going on and help you determine what is the right next step for you, what might be the best fit. Um, we also have a crisis stabilization team here. So we have some folks who can see um, people who might be struggling a little bit more um, while we're working to connect them to other resources. Um, so there is a little bit more immediate support um, for those who are struggling and need support from us. Um, and then of course, for people who might be impacted by others um, who may have died by suicide or um, had a non-fatal gesture of suicide or things like that, we have things like grief resources as well, um, and places like interpersonal processing groups or survivor services um, where folks can go who maybe have not themselves had um, a gesture of suicide or anything like that, but can get support um, if they've been impacted. Well, great. So this has been such a great overview of how students can play a role in suicide prevention. So for anyone who wants to continue to learn in this area, is there any way to do so? Yes, of course there is. Um, so we are launching an updated version of the student suicide prevention training on Canvas this fall. Um, so I've been lucky enough to see all the hard work that has gone into updating the training to make it just very engaging and interactive. Val, along with the entire prevention team, has made sure that the training touches on many important topics, um, such as advice on how to start a conversation with their friend, which I know we got into today, um, to like what to say to a 911 operator if the situation reaches that point, and also acknowledgement of why that might not feel like an option for all students, um, what to do if suicide is brought up while under the influence, and the list goes on. Um, but personally, as a student who has struggled with mental health and has been there for friends who have struggled with mental health, I found the training to be incredibly helpful. Um, it provided a great starting point to make me more comfortable talking to others. And it just really allowed me to feel like I could take control of that conversation and show up as a present and helpful peer rather than feeling overwhelmed by the topic and not knowing exactly what to say. Um, and also just really acknowledges that, like, as we've said before, this is an area for constant growth. So 
Um, even if you go through the training and you get all these great tips, you do not have to be an expert on this by any means. And just by educating yourself, you are doing your part to help with the stigma on campus, to help be a supportive friend, and just to really help in the world of mental health promotion in general. Thank you both so much for being here and for all of the information that you've given. Um, I do think it'll be pretty helpful for a lot of different folks on campus and hopefully something people can come back to um, in the future if needed. Um, yeah, thank you again for your time and expertise. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Um, and I guess just a last plug, uh, September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And so it really is a great time, I think, for students to to check out the new online training um, to to learn a little bit about how they might support their peers. Um, and I think to to also be reminded of of kind of the whole network of resources that exist on this campus to to support student mental health. Um, so also want to emphasize that that students are not alone in doing this work, um, and we hope that they'll they'll reach out and use the the resources that that are available to them as they need them. Thank you to all of our listeners. And if you like this episode, please follow us on Instagram. And if you have any suggestions, feedbacks, you can uh, look at us on UW hashtag MHS Instagram, connecting badgers. Um, thank you all for listening. And it's important to note that this podcast does not replace mental health treatment, should not be considered as such. Um, we will also be putting in all of the resources and links mentioned today into uh, like our episode notes. So check out those if interested in other uh, mental health services and all that we talked about today. And as we have mentioned before, of course, along the way here, you can always access our 24-7 crisis resources. So our crisis this line 608-265-5600 option nine and of course in the event of an emergency dial 911 so thanks everyone for listening take care bye